How many of you know that if you have um, a husband or kids, um, they ask things to you? <laughs> so, um, my husband was sick and I'm sick. But God is good and I'm here and I am, you know, I'm not defeated. I'm ready to give God praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I just thank God for all of you and for my husband, John, um, and his absolute amazing self and his prayers and just loving me the way he does. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that spouses are a gift from God? Amen. 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 <laughs> thank you. So I'm not going to be before you long, I promise. And um, I just want to, I just have a word of encouragement for you. And um, I just want to give it to you, give it to you the way God gave it to me. And um, that's it. So, <laughs> and this is the first time that I'm using this technology thing, so bear with me if, you know. <laughs> so, um, thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to um, you know, bring this word and for your prayer. So I'm going to read the scripture, Isaiah, we're going to come from Isaiah, the, 43, the 43rd chapter, verses 14 through 21. And it says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. And, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, and jackals, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. The word of the Lord is blessed. So promises were made to be broken. Let's talk about that for a moment. So the first recorded use of this expression was by the essay, the essayist and poet Heraclitus Writings in 1681. He actually said that promises and pie crusts were made to be broken. Jonathan Swift is credited for making that quote popular. Webster's Dictionary defines promises as a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified. A legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance or forbearance of a specified act. A promise is a commitment made, an agreement or assurance, an oath taken for a person or for oneself. It's a covenant. The person making the promise vows to fulfill the task or to keep his word. And the world's view on promises is really interesting. Mark Twain said better a broken promise than none at all. 
Samuel Johnson said that a vow is a snare for sin. And then I found a few other um, quotes that people have made about promises. Someone said, we live in a world built on promises constructed by liars. And then you see how um, the E means empty, empty promises. Also, we are all products of someone else's broken promises. A promise means everything, but once it is broken, sorry means nothing. People change and promises are broken. Promises that you make to yourself are often like the Japanese plum tree. They bear no fruit. In the end, promises are just words. Promises can be broken just as fast as they were made. You promised me, and then you broke that promise. Promises are made just to make someone expect and get hurt in the end. So that's what the world says about promises, but let's see what the Bible says. The Bible says that prom the promises of God are yea and amen. Yea meaning yes, and amen meaning so let it be. So the promises of God are sure. The Bible also says in Numbers 23 and 19 that God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He also said in Isaiah 55 and 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. From the beginning of time, God has been making promises to his people. He made promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, promises of a beautiful land where they could be prosperous and descended too numerous to count. In Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8, it says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. Sorry. You will be... You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you call Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. I will be their God. So that's the promise that God made to Abraham. Amen. So the Israelites, who are descendants of Abraham, they eventually would be the ones who would see the promise. Listen, if God says it, you can bank on it. Every promise of God is true, and in its own time, it will happen. So, I just wanna let you know, I'm an interactive preacher. So I'd like you to talk back to me, and I want you to be a participator today. So if I say something that resonates in your spirit, I just want you to shout amen, or you know, say hallelujah, say something, because this word is tailor-made for you, amen? amen. So, the, so 
I mentioned Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when I read the story of the children of Israel, it's a familiar story to me. And it's one that as a child I heard very often. And if you went to any kind of Sunday school or Bible class as a child, you would have heard it too. It's a feel-good story that points out the fact that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and how God held back the waters and how the Egyptians and their chariots were drowned trying to catch them. It's a story that we can easily get excited over because that's fascinating and encouraging that God would do that for his people. But I want to focus on a different aspect of the story. So let me give you the backdrop of who the children of Israel were and um, their journey across the Red Sea um, so that I could eventually get to the part that I really want to emphasize. And just bear with me a little bit because it's a little wordy. So the, the Israelites or the children of Israel or the Hebrews um, were in bondage to the Egyptians for a lot of years. So over the years they have grown into a sizable amount of people. Being surrounded by so much idolatry, many of them had lost knowledge of Yahweh, the true God of whom they worshiped. And a lot of them united with the Egyptians in their worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Um, beasts and images. Many of the Israelites were content to remain in bondage rather than fight for their freedom. So the Egyptians did everything in their power to make the Israelites forget who they served and what God had done for them. Yet there were those who did not forget the maker of the heavens and of the earth, and they cried out to God for deliverance. But the Lord chose not to deliver them immediately. You know, sometimes we think that God has to deliver us now, and that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. He could. But sometimes he wants us to learn the lesson in all of this and to trust and to trust in him. And trust me when I say that he won't put more on us than we can bear. Amen. So the Israelites were treated horribly. Their leaders tried to encourage their sinking faith by reminding them of the promise God made to Abraham and the prophetic words of Joseph before he died for telling their deliverance from Egypt. Some listened and believed, others just simply would not hope. Can you imagine having to deal with and live daily with people who tried to get you to turn away from the God that you served? People who taunted you and challenged you on a daily basis? The Israelites saw how the Egyptians worshiped these false gods and other idols and how they seemingly prospered and were wealthy. Notice how I said seemingly. And some of the Israelites wanted that, but the grass really isn't always greener on the other side. And still yet there were some Israelites who just would not sway because they knew that God was able to deliver. So in order to persuade Pharaoh or the king, to let the children of Israel go, God sent 10 plagues to oppress the Egyptians. He changed the Nile River into blood and it smelled so bad that they were not able to drink it. Then he sent frogs, he sent lice, flies, diseased livestock, boils, thunderstorm of hail, locusts, and darkness for three days, and finally death of all of their firstborn. And you can read all of this in, in Exodus. God proved himself to the children of Israel once again 
that he was on their side by letting them know about the plagues before they came and they weren't affected by the plagues. So Pharaoh finally relented and he let them go. He said, take everything and go. Get out of my country. I'm sick of you and your God and all these afflictions. They even lent them silver, gold, and clothes for their journey. So the children of Israel took what they could. They left. They journeyed and God purposely didn't let them travel through the land of the Philistines, even though that land was the closest. Now I just want to show you a map of... Um, so I don't know, uh, it's a little fuzzy, but um, yeah. So do you see where uh, Canaan is? All the way up in the right, that's where, this is where they were trying to go. And you see where it starts, the, um, the land of um, Goshen? Yeah. So that's yeah. where they were. They could have easily trekked across yeah. Yeah. right up to Canaan, but God took them all the way down yeah. to the Red Sea. So, so they journeyed, and he, he purposely didn't take them that way, even though that was the closest way to get to where they were going. Um, they were trying to get to Canaan. His reasoning was that the Philistines the Philistines would not like them passing through their land and would have assumed that they stole everything they had from the Egyptians and the Philistines would have wanted to go into war with them. If the children of Israel encountered this, they would have wanted to go back to Egypt. And that's just what the enemy wanted. But God wanted to keep them moving forward toward the Red Sea. And so many times we complain about where we are in life and that it's taking too long and, um, you know, we just don't understand, and we think where we are, we shouldn't be. But I'd like to encourage you to be content where you are. Be content where he has you for the moment, because it could be that he's trying to shield you from something that you don't see, something that the enemy has planned for you. And we don't realize that God could have taken us through Palestine to meet head on with war, but instead, he brought us another way. Amen. A way that, yes, it's taking much longer, but it's a better way. Amen. Amen. So God led them through the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Bible says that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So the Lord told Moses that Pharaoh and his army would be coming after them, and so the Lord directed them where to camp out right before the Red Sea. So after the Hebrews had traveled from Egypt for a few days, the Egyptians started planting negative thoughts in Pharaoh's head. They reminded him that the children of Israel had fled and would never return to serve him again, and how great of a loss it was. And the Bible says that they mourned because they had permitted them to leave Egypt. So when Pharaoh thought about it, he regretted letting them go. Not even thinking about the plagues that they had just suffered a short while ago, they gathered, they gathered a very large army of 600 chariots and went after the children of Israel. That's how hardened their hearts were towards God. So the Bible says that as Pharaoh and his army came closer to the Israelites, they were afraid and they cried out to the Lord to help them. And they turned to Moses and asked him, why would you bring us all this way to die at the hands of the Egyptians who we ran away from? We could have just stayed in Egypt and continued being their slaves. 
because it was better for us to serve them rather than die in this wilderness. And Moses said to them, don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians you, who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. So the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. How soon we distrust God. Didn't just a few days ago they saw how God displayed his power, but when the, their faith in God was tested, they murmured and complained. Instead of trusting in God in the time of their need, they blamed Moses and accused him of being the cause of all of their distress. And Moses encouraged them to trust in God and wait to see how the Lord will deliver them. So God revealed to Moses how to use his rod and stretch it out over the sea to divide it and explain to him how the children of Israel will go across on dry ground through the middle of the sea. He let Moses see that their necessity would be God's opportunity. So when they could go no further, Moses must tell them to go further still and use the rod to divide the waters. God let Moses know that Pharaoh's army would continue to follow them and would not stop, but that God would send a cloud that would light the way for the Israelites, but would darken the way for the, for the Egyptians. And uh, they would be safe throughout the night. So the night passed and they kept moving toward the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army closed behind. So I want to talk about the Red Sea for a moment. Sometimes God has to do something new in your life that causes your faith to increase. And for the children of Israel, it was the Red Sea. This was something that had never happened before. And God needed to prove to them again that he was yet God. The omniscient, the all-knowing, the all-powerful God. So when they got to the Red Sea, Moses stretched out his rod and the seas divided so that they were able to cross over on dry land. But the thing is that as Pharaoh and all 600 of his chariots were following close behind them, God allowed them to only come so far when they realized that God was fighting for the Israelites. They decided to turn around, but the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand again over the sea. And as he did, the waters came back to the original state and drowned Pharaoh and all of his horsemen and chariots, and not one of them were left. Amen. So, the point of the story is not even that they crossed over on dry land or that God fought their enemies and drowned them in the Red Sea. Because the reality of it is that after they crossed over, and God gave, and gave God praise for their triumph, they still had problems ahead of them. But the point I wanna to make to you today, the point that I'm trying to get across to you today, is that God fulfills his promises to his people. Even in the middle of us complaining and not understanding his will and his ways, and even during the process, even when we doubt God, when our faith is wavering, he fulfills his promises to his people. The Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promises. He will do what he says, 
and he promised that he would do a new thing in you. Amen. I don't know about you today, but I could definitely use a new thing in my life. Amen? The way the world is looking and the way that my bills are set up and, and the way that I'm feeling some days and the way that my money is flowing or not flowing, I could definitely use a new thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, the Hebrew word for new is chadash. It's spelled C-H-A-D-A-S-H. And it means renew, repair, or restore. So God made so many promises to the children of Israel. But those promises didn't all happen at once. They happened over time. It was a process. And do you not know that the period of time between when God made the first promise to Abraham in Genesis, the 17th chapter, continuing on with Isaac, then Jacob, up until Moses, was a period of about 400 years. That's a long time. They had to trust God during the waiting. And God was so gracious to them that at times he gave them these little nuggets and these little miracles and things in order to boost their faith until the next time. And he kept doing new things for them so that their faith could continuously be restored. God is a compassionate God. He's a just God. And sometimes, just like the children of Israel, we find ourselves in a place where we're murmuring and we're complaining about where God has taken us from, the bondage that God has taken us from, because sometimes we think that it would have been better for us to stay in bondage. Listen, they were, they, they were in a bad place, the children of um, Israel. They were in a bad place when they were in Egypt. They were being worked like slaves. And instead of counting their blessings when Pharaoh let them go, they murmured and they complained. God allowed them to cross over the Red Sea, but even though they crossed over, they were still not to the promised land. But God had to do this for them in order for their faith to grow so that they could make it to the next hurdle. And just because God is saying to you today that he will do a new thing in you, that's not the end. He wants you to continue moving forward until he has you where he wants you to be. Sometimes it feels like we're fighting a losing battle, but God doesn't want you to lose, he wants you to win. And if by winning, that means he's gonna open up the Red Sea for you to give you some hope, that's what he's going to do. And God didn't promise you a bed of roses. He didn't promise that once you became saved and once you became a Christian and once you decided in your heart to follow him that your problems would disappear and that your life would be instantly great. But he did promise that he would give us rest if we were burdened or heavy laden. He did promise that he would strengthen us if we were afraid and uphold us with his righteous hand. He did promise that when you pass through the waters that he would be with you and when you pass through the rivers that they would not sweep over you and when you walk through the fire you would not be burned and he also promised us that, us that he is going to do a new thing. He said now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. He promised to do a new thing. And if you're having a hard time believing that this new thing that I'm talking about is for you, then I need you to prepare your hearts to come to the altar to receive from the Lord. We want to touch and agree with you because the Bible clearly says that if two or three 
are gathered in my name. He is there in the midst. So if you're having issues with your faith this morning, I want to touch and agree with you that God will catapult your faith to the next level in order for you to believe that he can do this new thing in you. Sometimes all we need is just a little more faith. And if we can help you get to that place where you can believe it and trust God totally so that he can do this new thing, let's do it. Listen, just like the children of Israel, we're going to have to go through some stuff sometimes. But God has promised that he will deliver. He's promised that the road isn't always going to be hard. He's promised that he will bring us up sometimes so that we can catch our breath just for that moment so that we can make it to the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment. He promised that he wants to do a new thing in you. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to believe. And even as we close out 2017, and we're going forth to 2018, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a new thing. I'm ready to see some newness in my life. Because 2017 was rough, y'all. It was really rough. There were some moments that I thought I would give up, but I'm, I'm so glad to say that I'm still here. Hallelujah. Amen. So glad. And I'm, and I'm just happy to know that God provides these moments of newness in our life that we can look forward to. Amen? And if, like I said, if you're having a hard time believing that this is for you, then I want you to come to the altar. Sometimes we need some faith, y'all. Sometimes we just need a little bit more faith. Sometimes we just need someone to just pray with us and just touch and agree and just believe that 2018 is gonna be an amazing year. Amen. So I just wanna open up the altar to you. And if you feel that you want to come, you can come. If not, it's fine. You can pray where you are. But I believe God. I believe him. And just like the children of Israel, you know, I believe him. I believe him. Sometimes it may not look like it. But just believe God. Just believe him. Trust him. Open up your mind. Open up your heart. Amen. God is able to do it. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's what his word says. Amen. And so if we would just trust and believe him and know that his word is for us. And if it's for us, it's more than the world against us. Amen.
Thank you.